It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also now available on Amazon, my first book a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. And now, without further ado, Nanak of the North. Good morning, Zeb. How are you? Beautiful sunny day out there. Minus two degrees, but it is sunny and sunny. You're a sick man. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, it's a little cold out there. Ooh. Yeah. So today, Zeb, we're going to talk about steamboats. Okay, Steamboat Willie? Steamboats, not Steamboat Willie. Oh, okay. You know, uh, so there were two types of steamboats that had come into use on the Missouri River, and these bigger vessels built to operate on the lower river, and then there were some smaller boats, they called mountain boats, for the upper river. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so in the late 1860s, uh, the larger boats were sent off to get up to Fort Benton, which is as far as they could go. What did they look like quickly? The, the bigger boats look just like the uh, ones on the Mississippi. But then the mountain boats were a smaller one that could, uh, that only needed a very little draft to be able to keep going. Now were these steamboats? Yeah. Yeah. They were steamboats. Wow. But, uh, in the 1860s, the larger boats, they tried to get up to Fort Bend, and they did, some of them, but uh, they were not really suited for the dangerous water uh, encountered on the mountain voyage since they drew, they had to have six or seven feet of water. Oh, really? To, uh, when they were loaded clear full of cargo. Oh. But the mountain boats, they didn't need that much, but they couldn't carry as much. I see. Okay. Yeah. So, uh but uh, if you got up into Benton, into Montana, where the gold boom was, the inflated prices made it worth the risk, I guess you could say. Hmm. They could get as much as one th- or $300 for a passenger, for a cabin passenger. Wow. 
Uh, oh, they, they had a cabin on there. Yeah, that was it. Was a steamboat with I cabins see. and rooms and stuff. Uh, they charged fifteen dollars for a hundred pounds uh, for all the cargo bound uh, to head up for uh, up to the river. But with daring luck and good piloting, uh, a, a number of them did get through. Uh, what if they didn't get through? Then everything started looking bad <laughs> for the cargo and the passengers. So. Uh, that's why they, you know, it was dangerous. I mean, it, it was, it was tough, but, um, you know, steamboats were, uh, let me think, just a minute. I think I'm missing something here. Okay. Well, it's your book. It's my book. Let you me- ought to see this. He's invested in a paperclip company. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a and he's got 37 paper clips behind his ears and in his mouth. And okay. Are you ready? We're good. Okay, okay. good. Now take the paper take, clip take out, of you. It out of my mouth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so think about it. Steamboats didn't have the luxury of being like out in the ocean. You didn't have no. out there. They didn't have to worry about, no. you know, uh, running into logs and stuff like that. But uh, steamboat engineers had no way of telling how much horsepower they had at hand and no way for decades of gauging steam pressure or even the limits imposed by their crude safety valves. Uh oh. In times of stress, they simply ordered extra fuel into the fireboxes uh, and then they would just listen to the vibration of the motor. Oh, wait a minute. If the vibration got severe, then they knew they were going to blow they, up. Then they knew that maybe they should slow down. I see. But that's how they determined how much power output and how much strain was They on. didn't have gauges? Not If they did, a very crude. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, some of them didn't even have gauges. At the end of the one gauge, it said boom. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and think about this. The uh, It was a single-cylinder high-pressure engine, and they say it exhausted steam with a sound like cannons exploding. A single cylinder? A single cylinder. Well, it's no wonder they blew up. Yeah, but and, and evidently it could be heard for miles around, uh, even under normal uh, conditions. But it got louder as the pressure mounted, and so the people were kind of listening, you know, especially the captain and the engineer. And the racket would sometimes end in a roar of exploding boilers, but passengers seemed to enjoy that. They, they said, wait a minute, you got some sick people here. They, they enjoyed the loud noise of the boom, boom of the of this engine. Okay, so we got a single uh, piston engine, right? And if it really starts making noise, you know you're going to go up in the air, it, it blown could, up. It could happen, which did with Mark Twain's brother. He actually was uh, on a boat that exploded and burned him, and he eventually died. Really? Mark, Mark Twain's brother, yeah. Wow. So, but the people, they liked that fast. You, you could go faster, and with the safety valve tied down, uh, in fact, the public boycotted one boat because it was too quiet. They thought it was too quiet. Oh, my. Uh, it couldn't be heard. So, but... I found this interesting. Steamer officers kind of had a um, a thing for ethnic minorities. Okay, okay. Here right. we go. We're going back to DEI, diversity, equality, and inclusion. Slaves were used as what they call roustabouts, which were deckhands, yeah. basically. Yeah. And their owners treated them with some care, but uh, there were other ethnic groups, not so much. In fact, there's a story of one... Uh, uh, boat that uh, somebody said uh, yelled at the captain and said, uh, we've got a deckhand that fell overboard. And the captain yelled back, ah, don't worry, it's only an Irishman. 
Oh, so okay. okay. Well, the humanity is really striking. <laughs> yeah, it's only an Irishman. Don't yeah. worry about it. Just keep going. <laughs> so the roustabouts, or the roosters, as they were called in river slang, led a pretty uh, exhausting. Uh, thankless life. They stood four-hour watches, and the deckhands remained on call all day and night. They oh slept my. when they could in just among the freight, and they were expected to carry cordwood. You know, they had to keep loading wood. Yeah, obviously. I was going to say, how much wood did they have to carry on yeah. board? Well, that's the thing. They had stopping places all along the river where they could uh, get the oh. cordwood, but they carried bales and crates. Uh, a lot of times over a narrow lumber gangplank that was a lot of times slippery with ice or rain. And the crew, you like this, Eb. You always like it when I talk about food. The crew's food was frequently bad. Uh-huh. Uh, though bigger boats served uh, them pans that were full of the passengers' leavings. For some reason, you're spoiling my lunch. <laughs> so the upper river boat sent hunters ashore for game, and that was okay. Uh, and they shared it with everybody aboard. But... Uh, the, the, there was a group of men called the roosters and, uh, they were considered, these were the African Americans. Yeah, they called okay. them roosters yeah. and they were actually the best as far as working. Okay. The German immigrants re, uh, rated next independability, Missouri farm bo- boys, many of whom joined steamers to escape the plow were thought to be a shade too independent. Irishmen were considered to be the most rebellious and unreliable of all. Yeah, they jumped overboard. They jumped overboard. So now here's another group of people I didn't know about. They were called steamboat mates or bully boys, and they played really no part in actually operating the vessel, but they were the in charge of the roustabouts, the the deckhands. Oh. And they weren't always very real, uh, very kind in how they treated. The so on deck every hand. ship, they had a bunch of these guys that were overlooking a bunch of right. the other guys. Yes. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah. And again, they weren't always very nice to these um roustabouts or the deckhands. Oh. Okay, and I just leave it at that. Okay. So, but life on a steamer was rude. If the vessels herself were dangerous, uh, it engaged in uh, unpredictable contest with nature. I mean, you got winds, you got, in the spring, you got ice flows well, coming down. I was just going to ask you how they got through the ice. Well, you, you know, they only went in, in when there was, when they could get through. But in the spring, like I say, you'd had big chunks of ice floating down towards you. Well, yeah, wouldn't they be like the Titanic? Yeah. I mean, it could take out a boat, yeah. 
But captains, pilots, and their owners were not only adventurers, but they were men of dignity and kind of sentimental. So listen to some of the names of the steamboats. There was the Arabia, the Andrew Jackson, Jackson, Daniel Boone, Emerald, Highland Mary, Kit Carson, Star of the West, War Eagle, and some of these boat whoops. <laughs> he's only been doing this program for 25 years, and he's destroying still, all my still equipment. Still mess up things. But, you know, they still headed up the Missouri. The Mississippi wasn't too bad. But when you started heading up the Missouri River, uh, you know, the, you'd just inch along uh, – Covering regular beach or trades in the process. Stop. From what point to what point of the Missouri? I'm, I'm curious about to the from, location. From where the Missouri starts, okay. clear up to Fort Benton uh, okay. in, in Montana. Okay, so where it starts in what? What's the name of the town or area? Uh, it starts in, let's see, is it St. Louis? Okay. Yeah, okay. I believe it's All St. Louis. Right. So, but they would go along and stop at different plates, places to get wood and pick up passengers or let people off. Dumb question. Did they, the company that owned the ships, did they send out crews beforehand and cut the wood and stack it for accessibility for the ships? No. There were people that made a living selling wood to the boats. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So all along the river, Mississippi and Missouri, you had people that made a living just ah. making, uh, you know, because they lived there and just supplied wood for the steamboats. Okay. But the steamboat stops were... Uh, Fairly close during the Civil War, uh, but most of these uh, stops, I guess you were, uh, we could say were kind of muddy. They were semi-lawless settlements of hard-pressed people trying to make a living. And actually, I'd never thought of this, but there were actually guerrilla fighting along the lower river after the war began. Steamboats were considered fair game by jayhawkers, redlegs, and bushwhackers. And it was a careless pilot who tied up for a night at a landing rather than mooring in out in the river in midstream because the gorillas would go out and they would attack these boats and they would, uh, you know, take. Any money, they would take any cargo. They well, how many people were uh, on a crew? That's a good question. I don't know. You had your pilot, you had your engineers, you had your people that were, you know, shoveling coal, then you had yeah. your deckhand. So you mean they couldn't appoint somebody as guards? That's a good question. Um, you know, but uh, like one boat called the Molly Dozer, uh, they, they got sacked of the whiskey in her bar. They raided her galley. They just took everything they could find off, Holy the, off the boat. Holy smokes. So. But, you know, pilots and captains, they were concerned uh, with uh, Missouri itself. There were, listen to this, some 700 different steamboats uh, floated the Missouri between 1819 and when they finally disappeared around a little after 1900. 1819? Yeah, that's when they started. I didn't know they started that early. Yeah. And of these, of those 700, 300 were destroyed in service and left in the river either by uh, submerged trees or sandbars or whatever. So they're or, still there. Yeah, uh, or explosions. Now, think of this, too. If you're heading upstream or downstream, and here's a boat that's been sunk, you might have a hard time getting past it. I would say. In some narrow part. Yeah. So the river not only sent steamers to the bottom, but it filled their hulks with mud and sand so fast that they really had a hard time even trying to rescue the cargo. How big were these boats? 
Uh, you know, that's a good question. I know some of the bigger ones on the Mississippi were as much as 200 feet. But oh, the, my. But the mountain boats uh, were much smaller, maybe maybe 100 feet. The ones that were more capable of making it up it's to Missouri. It's big, though. Yeah, yeah. But there also, there were Indians living along the river. Uh-huh. And so you had a problem there with uh, the Indians attacking as well. Yeah, shooting arrows at you. Yeah, especially if you're... You know, uh, trying to get load with wood, yeah, a certain spot. But uh, you know, there the river was increasingly threatened in the 198 mile stretch between a place called Cow Island and Fort Benton, and there its bottom, the bottom of the river, changed from a soft sand to hard rock, and steamers entered a succession of 15 stretches of white water in which the hulls were continuously uh, in danger from sharp reefs and oh, rocks. Oh, boy. But the Missouri pilot's mecca was the Rockies and, as I mentioned, particularly Fort Benton. And the boat that won through to discharge a cargo at Fort Benton usually made more money than the boat itself had cost. For example... A boat costing $20,000 to even $40,000, the steamboat uh, could make anywhere from fifteen dollars to $80,000. No kidding. And there was one boat that only cost $15,000, but it made $80,000 in profit. Wow. So. Uh, Let's go in the steamboat business. Yeah. So, I mean, the steamboating business. Uh, and I'm running out of information. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. W- wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, if you take your doggone paper clips <laughs> off these pages, you'd know where you were at. Well, yeah. Well, I'm done. Uh, okay. You're done. <laughs> okay. Well, now, let, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How did they, you know, I'm curious about these boats. Um, did they have like a big, uh, what do I want to say, a captain's area or uh, where the captain stayed inside and kind of navigated? Yeah. Uh, and he had a, like a bullhorn where he could yell down to the to the crew to tell him what to do, things okay. like that. But uh, there were two boats, and I cannot remember the names of them. One was on the Mississippi, and they were uh, – uh, this was after the Civil War. Yeah. And they were ch- uh, char- – uh, Paying the steamboat captain like two dollars and fifty cents per person and like four dollars per officer to take these men north up to their homes now, after the war. Was Fort Benton was that the final destination in, point? In Montana. In Montana. Right. But on the Mississippi you could go clear up to St. Louis, you know. Right. Uh, so way. Fort Benton in Montana. And then they would turn around. Now and my question, navigation wise how did they turn those big boats around? Well, that's a good question, and I don't know how narrow it got. That's what Fort Bend. I'm thinking. Yeah. But let me tell you this story about the the steamboat that was taking people, the officers, the uh, men from the war yeah. back home. Yeah. This boat was only supposed to carry like 300 people. They loaded something like 2,100 people Woo! on this boat, this steamboat, and they headed upstream. And before they'd gotten very far. The whole thing exploded. Oh, no. There were literally hundreds of people that died. The The water was cold. People drowned. Uh, there were other steamboats that rescued some. But for months afterwards, there were bodies that would oh, uh, uh, come ashore. Oh, um, There was another boat up higher, up near uh, when you get close to Independence. 
that uh, it exploded and it threw people and body parts clear ashore. I mean, destroyed the logs of how many people were on the boat. Um, it, uh, and so they, they had all these people and sometimes there were kids that their parents were gone and some of the people in the town would actually take them uh, and adopt these kids. Well, now let me ask you this. You, you talk about a ship or a boat, if you will, going up to Fort Benton. What was the frequency of other companies and other boats? Was it a busy river? It was. Uh, if you think of the 700 that I mentioned, the, uh, you know, and they were probably even more than that. But uh, as they went up and down the river, again, how many of them got stuck on sandbars and were just left to rot really? or hit a log and it sunk. Uh, and there again, you know, what do you do with the people that are on board? Do you wait for the next one coming along or do you, uh, you know, say, well, <laughs> start walking? Well, my question is, what was the real need at Fort Benton for all these materials? Did they then load it on pack mules or wagons or whatever and take yeah, it that, other points? That was the gold fields. Up in, up oh, in, you know, so there you. you've got, you get up into Virginia City, Nevada City. I see. Uh, the towns that were basically gold rush towns. Oh, so it was a big business. And if you could get your cargo, if an owner of a ship boat could get uh, his stuff up there, you know, he could make eighty thousand dollars. Holy smoke! Just using a, a fifteen thousand dollar boat. And then yeah. again, you were bringing people back down. And how much did you charge them? So it was a win-win. How long did the trip take? Yeah, uh, to get from St. Louis up to Fort Benton, it was. I'm going to say it was like two or three months. It took oh, a long time. Oh, you're kidding me. Oh, it took quite a while. Oh, my. So, I didn't know it took that long. Now, from uh, New Orleans up to uh, St. Louis, that could be done in, oh, 10 to 20 days. Uh, it was a wide river. The boats were bigger, more yeah. powerful. So they could make it up there in a lot less time. So two or three months. Well, on now, I could be wrong, folks. I, But I, as I recall from my reading, it took quite a while because you're going upstream so you're not making wow. very good headway holy so. smokes i mean that that uh, that's twice as long as i thought you were going to say and wow. as i mentioned mark twain mark twain of course was a captain uh, he piloted steamboats for a while mm -hmm. but uh, and he kind of felt somewhat guilty because he talked his brother into going to work on a steamboat and that's when the steamboat exploded it burned him up pretty bad. Mark Twain went to his bedside and stayed with him for two or three days until he passed away. Oh, my. I would love to take the call, but I'm out of time. Caller, I apologize, but I, I've got time constraints and doctor history. Uh, call earlier next time, and we'd love to have you on the air. I apologize. Uh, thank you, Dr. History, for everything that you did on the steamboats. And I had no idea that they were A, that big, or B, you were on the boat that long? Yeah. Wow. Thank you very much. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K N I X. 
Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.